This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. Hey yo, what's up? It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios. Woo woo! Okay, so um, I'm on level with you. Uh, Mr. Philly and I actually did a podcast <clears throat> for like, I don't know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. And uh, yo, technical difficulties, uh, potentially because we mentioned uh, China invading Taiwan. And we were on Zoom, and you know, you know the connect. Maybe we got blacklisted. Anyway, let's first and foremost start on a serious note. Uh, rest in peace to Shane Warne. For those of you that do not know or follow cricket, he was to us Australians an absolute legend of the people. Uh, he was not only an incredible cricket player, but what we would call here a larrikin which is a person with a sort of childish humour and naivety and easygoing nature to them that uh, really was a, a very good friend uh, but would also speak his mind and really not worry about the consequences of it. So he will be sorely missed, uh, not only for the great achievements he did on the field but also the philanthropy that he did off the field and yeah, I mean, I'm really personally going to miss him doing the commentating on the cricket. As a cricket tragic myself, it was, uh, yeah, his commentary was unbelievable. So now, of course, what we've all been waiting for is to discuss the podcast in regards to the war in Ukraine. Now, Mr. Philly has a Russian mother. I have a Polish mother. Uh, so, interestingly enough, the two co-hosts right in the middle of, of those two countries of the motherland is indeed Ukraine. And a bit of a history of Ukraine, the current borders, is that after World War II, I think it was after Stalin was in charge, the borders actually shifted west. So that's why large chunks of the border with Russia... Uh, you have the separatist regions because they're actually ethnic Russians. And my grandfather was born in Poland in a beautiful city called Lviv, which is now uh, Ukraine. So, and in return, what did Poland get? They they got a bit of Germany, which is what Gdansk and, and whatnot. So the people are of Slavic origin, all of them. So it is literally brother versus brother, but it's uh, always politics that gets a bit messy. And the borders are always uh, contested as well. So from our point of view, what we were discussing was we both don't think that Putin will go into NATO. Uh, the reason being is that it's just too much to really pull off. Not necessarily because of the Europeans, because the Europe hasn't really spent that much money on their military. A lot of them don't have big forces. Germany is unable to really uh, muster up still a large army because <laughs> they have form. Uh, the French, well, yeah, look, uh, 
Their tanks go in reverse, unless they're in a West African coup, really, but they've got the nuclear weapons. Um, and so thus leaves the Baltic states and Poland. So Poland will put up a good fight, but they've also got Americans uh, in Poland and then also the Baltic states. So there's always going to be uh, historical differences and culturally as well. And uh, that's definitely the case uh, in particular with Poles and Ukrainians. The people have always got along well. Likewise with Russians. Russians are generally, the people are very, very friendly. Especially after a couple of vodkas and a little bit of caviar. Um, but what we're seeing now is uh, what started off with Putin kind of invading, thinking that, that they, the Ukrainians were just going to overthrow the government has now turned into an outright all that resistance, which I believe, you know, if you thought that you're just going to kind of get rid of the government was a slightly bit naive. Um, I think people will always resist. And it's at this point that we have to say, look, that Russians are probably some of the best hackers in the world. Uh, so we generally love Russian people. And uh, look, it's nothing towards you. It's merely just a commentary as well. So, you know, please don't hack us and put malware on our computers and our podcast and everything else, including our work. And so we'll continue. Uh, I had the pleasure of actually meeting uh, a couple of young ladies from Swaziland. Now, Swaziland is a small independent country slash kingdom. It's based within South Africa. And uh, they were telling me about, um, they were in Dnipro, which was on the, near the sort of Russian side of Ukraine, and they had to obviously escape. And they've now just got into Budapest, Hungary. And, well, there was a lot of rumours coming out about the racism uh, against Africans and people of um, the non-white majority. And unfortunately, it was true. And unfortunately, um, whilst the Ukrainian people are sort of uniting, uh, there was, I would say, obviously, individuals and whatnot that were going the exact opposite way uh, and, and not helping people in need. And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting for me kind of coming from, well, at least half of that background because my father being Scottish, um, yeah, I even see it at home, you know, like... Even between, you know, Slavic Poles and Scots, they don't particularly get along. So it's very patriotic, um, ultra-nationalist parts of the world there, to put politely. And interestingly as well, I know with Poland, that when my mum was in school in the 60s, uh, the teachers were telling her that it was the first time in a thousand years, I'll repeat that, a thousand years that the country wasn't at war. So these, this is a part of a long-standing conflict and the Ukrainians have gone through similar conflicts over time with the Ruskies and everything like that. So there's forever, forever fighting. Now, in terms of um, what the future holds, what uh, Mr. Philly and I were discussing was um, 
I guess the implication of trying to have a massive army, because we both agreed that eventually Russia will take over the Ukraine, but then probably install some form of puppet government. Because if you keep a standing army, we've seen it all around the world now that it just doesn't work. Doesn't matter what country it is, because you're always going to have resistance, and you just don't particularly want to have. Um, you don't particularly want to have your troops just sitting there. And also, at the end of the day, a lot of innocent people get hurt. And like I said, despite the historical differences of some which are pro and some which are con, um, it's really the individual people that are that are hurting. And and I think that the hardest thing for me is this conflict goes on is these people didn't do anything. The country didn't do anything. Um, politically, they didn't commit to what was this sort of strike was about. And what it was about was Russia was worried about Ukraine joining NATO and EU. EU is a separate thing, but if they joined NATO, that would mean basically that America could put bases right on their doorstep and missiles as well. So that was one of Putin's main aim was to have a buffer with that in Belarus. But having said that, like the people living in these cities, um, they hadn't yet done it, you know. They they hadn't committed to it. Uh, they didn't choose to do it. And now they're really in a fight for their lives. So the question happens, of course, of, well, what's next? Well, what's next is a bit of smoke and mirrors because people are still buying Russian oil. It's still going into America. It's still going around the world. Europe's still reliant on the gas from Russia. It's still China is not only buying up all the coal and grains and everything like that, but on top of that, they're buying up all the chocolates and vodka and everything else. So how much is the economy hurting? Yeah, look, the oligarchs would be hurting a bit. And on top of that, uh, there's about $650 million, I think, of the Russian reserves, banks' money in Switzerland or something like that that they're holding on to. That's at this stage, kind of galvanised the West. Um, and I think it's been watched pretty closely by China in terms of their anticipation of should they invade Taiwan or not? Uh, and then what will the implications be for that? And will we see the Asian nations unite together against China like we did with Europe? Um, the strength in numbers, so to speak. So I think it's very interesting times. I think the sanctions... Are hurting the sanctions always hurt everyday people you know it's the same in Zimbabwe it's the same in countries all around the world the sanctions hurt your person on the street you know the rich people yeah you know the yacht might be seized and they can't access their certain bank accounts but you know they've got stuff everywhere or they control the resources of the country so it's going to be interesting to also see what's going to happen with the world economy now Mr. Philly thinks that we're going to be heading towards a uh, digital currency and the financial abyss triggered off by mass inflation. The mass inflation will trigger a crisis and then basically everything that we own will erode. Now, I slightly disagreed with him in the sense that I believe a digital currency is happening in a social credit system, but I think that the baby boomer generation is still quite a significant voting block in a lot of countries and they're all for the cash and 
and um, and whatnot. I also think that in terms of the reactions, the reaction is different because people didn't want to go in the streets to protest during COVID because they were generally scared of getting the disease. Uh, whereas then Mr. Philly was thinking it just showed how much um, people were willing to give up their freedoms. And in that sense, I also agree with him in the sense we, we really saw that people gave up absolutely everything. Um, we can argue and, and debate back and forth that, you know, is it sort of sheep mentality or is it people were just worried literally about dying and killing the grandma with COVID? And so I think that it's going to be interesting times ahead. Um, like I said in summary, I, I, I wouldn't think that Putin will go into Poland at least. Um, maybe the Baltic states, but it's probably too much of a risk. Uh, I think he's going to try and install some form of puppet government. Um, and I think that the next thing that can't be avoided will be some sort of financial turmoil because we're really seeing it become highly erratic, the markets. And from speaking to the elders and older people, that's usually when you start to see the, the recessions hit as it goes all over the place. So I'd like to try and leave it on a positive note. Um, so for me, I've started to really getting into, I love my reggae. And so my suggestion of the week for you guys to watch is Sizzler Kalungi with a 35-piece orchestra. And it's quite frankly, absolutely awesome for you to watch. And otherwise, yeah, look, I wish you well. Uh, and, I, and I think that what we also discussed and touched on was that, you know, the media is just for the last couple of years, just constantly just stressing everyone out. And maybe it's about time we, we switched off the news and focused on ourselves and what we eat and what we do. And right, maybe have it cheeky smoke or a cheeky beer here and there, but, um, you know, like everything in moderation. And I think that we need to start to get back to core community values because we also have seen that during times of crisis, how people are turning on each other and becoming just about me and trying to protect oneself. But uh, united we stand and divided we fall. And uh, I'm going to leave it on that. Peace.